This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 50. Welcome to the podcast. Today again, it's actually the same day we're recording a second podcast with Carlene. I figured while I had her here, I would pick her brain for some more information for you guys. And so we're at the MVP headquarters and we're going to record another podcast for you with Carlene Bellier. We're going to talk about generations and how different generations of people in the workplace Um, and just in general life can relate to each other and how we understand each other of the different generations. Does that make sense to you? That does make sense. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, explain it to me a little bit better than I just introduced it because that was a little awkward. (laughs) Well, each generation is quite different, and we all know that, but sometimes we forget about it, and as we work in our practices or in our businesses, we struggle to get along. And if you think about uh, baby boomers, for example, and our millennials, they have a different take on life overall and they were raised during different time periods. So sometimes they will kind of butt heads a little bit and there are things that we can do to kind of help them out. Okay, so that's what we're gonna talk about is how to understand the different age groups, where they fall and then how they see the world so we can understand their viewpoint and then deal with them better. And work better together. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Good. That sounds better. Better than what I tried to introduce. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for clarifying that. That's important. Okay. So I just kind of wanted to run through the five generations that are currently in the workforce. The oldest generation is called the silent generation, or sometimes they're called the matures. And they are gradually getting out. There's not a lot of them still working, but they were born between 1925 and 1945. They're very focused on duty, honor, country, dedication, sacrifice, national pride. And it's basically because most of them grew up during a very hard time in the United States. World War II was happening, the Great Depression, and so they have a certain take on life that's different than some of the rest of us that grew up during times that weren't as hard. And Um, a lot of these people are out of the workplace now or at least getting out, but a lot of our clients are of this generation, I think. Some of them anyway, yeah. I I do still see clients of that generation, so. Yeah, this this goes for the clients as well. Yeah, Yeah, it sure does, and they love those pets. And boomers are kind of the next generation, and there's so much so much talk about boomers all the time. So they were typically born from about 1946 to 1964, and they're known for their work ethic and their living-to-work attitude, and they tend to be defined by their job. And their generation was so large that they basically had to outwork the competition to keep the jobs. So if you think about it, a lot of them, you know, when they were young, they were working 60-hour work weeks, and a lot of them still work 60-hour work weeks. Um, But that's how they were brought up, and that's why they do it. And then when they had children, their children are typically millennials who have been, you know, given a hard time because they don't really want to work 60 hours a week. But I know that my children are millennials, and when they were growing up, I wanted it to be easier for them than it was for me. I didn't want them to work 60 hours. And I think most parents feel that way. I think that's a a common thing. Parents want their kids' lives to be easier than theirs. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you know, if you're a boomer and you're a 60-hour-a-week worker, you're not going to want that for your kids. And therefore, 
you bring them up that way. Exactly. And I think that's why some of the millennials have a better take on work-life balance yes. than the boomers did. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And some of the boomers out there feel like, okay, well, I paid my dues when I was younger. And so now my young associates and the people that I'm working with should have to pay their dues as well. And sometimes they will look at the hours worked equaling the work ethic of the individual. So if somebody's working 60 hours, their work ethic is higher than somebody that's working 40 hours. But really, a lot of people that are working 40 hours feel like they're putting in and getting done as much or more than that employee that might be working 60 hours. And that's valid because that does happen. It does happen, mm -hmm. absolutely. So we, we, want, we want to find ways to get along a little bit better. And those boomers, they like the face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, they struggle with technology a little more, whereas our younger people are so great with technology. And in yeah. fact, I'm always grateful to work with younger people because they help me figure things out. Exactly. Yep. When we're having problems with the computers, like we were a little while ago. Exactly. <laughs> with feedback, it was like, oh, you know, it's just more of a struggle for the older, the boomer type people than it is for the millennials. Exactly. And the other thing that sometimes happens with boomers is that they didn't grow up during a period where they could work from home, for example. Right. And so they don't if they understand that. Don't see an empl mm -hmm. employee, sometimes they assume they're not working. Right. Whereas so many people work from home now and they do a great job with it. Moving into Generation X a little bit. Yes. Um, there's a ton yeah, of those people them. <laughs> in the workforce right <laughs> Talking now. About the millennials. The Gen Xers were born between 1965 and 1981, typically. And they are very self-reliant. They're a bit skeptical. They work to live, not live to work like the boomers did. They're good with technology because their generation invented a lot of it. They're loyal to a boss as opposed to a company. So some of the Xers will follow around somebody that has mentored them, that has helped them through their career, and they're very loyal. Um, a lot of them grew up in non-traditional family units, so divorced parents, latchkey kids that would come home after school and be home alone. And they, they work to live, not live to work, because they feel like they work smarter, not harder. So an exer might be working 40 hours a week and be very convinced that they get as much or more work done as a boomer who's working 60 hours a and week. And they don't value the way the boomers work or live. Right. They have a different value of that 60 hours a week. Yep. Because they can get it done faster and better and smarter. Exactly. That makes sense. Yep. They have a very significant focus on children. Home life, children come first. They're fine with leading from afar because most of them aren't all that excited about face-to-face -face meetings. That probably on some level goes back to the technology mm -hmm. because they could talk on the phone, they could email, they could text, or all of those things that the boomers didn't have access to. And so that face-to-face -face isn't as important to them. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. They had way more options. Yeah. And then millennials, you know, what a giant generation that is. And typically they're born between 1982 and 1995. Um, I kind of feel like that's two generations because if you think about the older millennials, they had access to very little technology, some of them. Yes, um, they didn't they were have up. cell phones in their hands all their lives. But the younger millennials always had cell phones and technology and Google. And so they're kind of, in my mind, like two generations. And sometimes yes. our 30-something millennials get a little offended when they're called millennials and lumped into 
the younger category. I see that with some of the people that I work with because I have some older millennials that work with me and they do get offended mm-hmm. when people call them stereotypical millennials, you know, mm-hmm. and millennials, unfortunately, kind of got turned into a bad word, which I think is so unfair. Mm-hmm. It's it's different for sure, but I don't know why it turned into that ugly word. And, and it is hard on the older millennials to be lumped into that generation. And the negativity is, I think, unnecessary. I agree. I think there's definitely value. A lot, I would say a good half of the people that work with me now are millennials. And, and it's a good, it's a good team. And I, they're smart. By 2025, uh, 70% of the workforce will be millennials. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. You know, millennials are multitaskers. Uh, they like that instant gratification, typically. Some of them can have a bit of a sense of entitlement, but I don't really, you know, they put that out there and I don't really agree with that a whole lot. Another thing that you mentioned is that that millennials have been kind of put down, you know, not yeah, treated well. Yeah. But every single generation that has come into the workforce has really been put down by the older yeah, generation. Yeah, exactly. that's true. Well, think about like the boomers when they came in. Yeah, they were rock and roll. And, oh, yeah. You know, hippies. Yeah. And, you know, in the 60s, there was so much yeah, change the in the world. Yeah, that's and, true. So every single generation yeah. that comes in, they are just abused by other generations. By the older generation. So it's yeah. very typical. Yeah. And okay. each generation brings such great information and such great wisdom. And um, I, I love millennials. I learned so much from them. And I think that I wish that when I was younger, I would have had their ideas in terms of work-life balance and work-life integration. Exactly. As opposed yeah. to being one of those people who felt like they had to work 60 hours yeah, a week to because, keep a job. because then we missed out on some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. We did. For sure. We did. And we like millennials because our kids are millennials. So. They're so fun. <laughs> I know. We love our kids. So... <laughs> And then there's then there's the most recent generation, Gen Z, they call it, and that's about 1996 to 2009. So this generation is a little different than millennials. They're very realistic and cautious. They're security-minded, inquisitive, globally aware, and they want to improve the world. And um, I was reading something that showed that 43% of 7- to 13-year-olds say that school violence will have the biggest impact on their generation, which yeah, that's that was something sad, we never right? had to deal with. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, we just had to do um, tornado drills. Exactly. Not shooter drills like they do now. Yeah. yeah. that's that's pretty sad. Very, very sad. So, and they came of age during an era of disruption. And many of these Gen Z, the first um, actual presidential election that they paid attention to was the most recent one, which was so volatile and so much negativity. And it still is, yeah. It's still so negative. Yeah, it affects how they feel about our country and our leaders. And and probably their own security and all of that. Exactly. exactly. I listened to somebody that was talking about generations, um, and they were talking about how generations cycle, like they cycle back. So this Gen Z 
is kind of like the resurgence of the silent generation. Is yep. that true in I, your studies? Have yep. you I think read I probably that? read the same thing that? you did, but yes. Yeah, because it kind of reminds me of this: the Gen Zs, the way they're seeing the world in so much turmoil, mm -hmm. is basically how the silent generation, their world was very much yeah. in term, per, turmoil with the war and all the things that they went through. Exactly. So, yeah. So that makes sense why they would feel a little off balance and not secure and worried about the, the world. Yeah. Much more so yeah. than the millennials were. Yeah. And they 90% have a digital footprint. Um, they process content in four seconds. Yeah. They, I see. I see that. They don't expect to wait because they've always had cell phones and Google. Um, also, they're very diverse. So 49% are ethnic minorities, and they don't see diversity unless it's absent. So if you walk into a restaurant oh. and it's mm. all one particular type of person, they're going to notice that. But they're used to seeing all kinds of diversity. Very interesting. Which is a great thing. Yeah, that is a great thing. And they also, 60% of them have savings accounts already, which is great. They want to you know I'm a fan of. Yeah. I'm always telling people to save and invest. And, exactly. Yeah. They want to avoid debt and Excellent. save money. Probably yeah. because they may have seen an older sibling come home and live in the basement or something yeah. after being out on their own. Yeah, that's amazing. So That is so true. My son is right on the edge of the millennials and the Gen Z, and mm -hmm. he acts much more like a Gen Z. Uh -huh. Like that is him to a T. Yeah. Whereas, you know, my older, my daughter is a little bit more of a millennial. Like they're on that edge. Uh -huh. And so that's why I think there's some blending of generations. You know, it doesn't just yeah. end at those those years that you talk about. Exactly. But, but it's interesting just the, the way that they evolve mm -hmm. into the way that they see the world. Yes. And I think a lot of us identify with more than one generation. You oh, know, They for used sure. to call it cuspers if you were kind of in between and you kind of identified with maybe the boomers or the, the Xers, you know, or sometimes they'll call them Xennials if it's like an Xer and a millennial. And yeah. They, you know, kind of on the edge yeah. of the two, and then you're a blend of those, the way they see the world. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Earlier this year, the figures that I had were, there's about 57 million Gen Zs and about 80 million millennials, about 48 million Gen Xers, and those are the parents of the Gen Zs typically, and 78 million boomers. So a lot of people, a lot of differences. But uh, overall, you know, you really just want to have success in working together. And if you are able to recognize and kind of suspend your biases, that will help because we're all very different and we all bring different things to the table. And if you can adapt the way you communicate with other generations, it helps. You know, um, my kids do not want me to just call them out of the blue. They want me to text them first. To see if they're busy. <laughs> they might be at work or they might be out with friends. And, you know, you kind of learn to adapt your communication. And even with clients in a veterinary practice, hopefully a lot of your practices allow for texting or getting online and setting up appointments and the things that our younger people prefer to do because millennials are now the largest pet owning population out there. So we want to adapt both our technology and our, our interaction, you know, face-to-face -face commu communication as well. well and it kind of goes back again to understanding other people, which we talk about a lot on the podcast. We talk about personality profiling. We talk about the body language podcast that we did uh, a week ago, but it just, it goes back to 
understanding other people's point of view and then adapting to that so you can mm-hmm. have better relationships and understand each other better. And um, that's what that's why we want to learn about all these things about Absolutely. the generation so we can understand where they're coming from right. and what's important to them so we can right. adapt to that. Right. We need and to learn cool. how to speak their language and communicate the way they want to be communicated with right? so that we can build those relationships. Yes. So kind of what you just said in a little bit different way. Yeah, say it again. If Summarize it. we can it. <laughs> kind of be more authentic and be curious, you know, maybe we don't understand exactly why people are acting differently than we do. But if we ask questions, tell me more about how you feel about this. Tell me more about why you want to go a certain route. Our, our younger people may be way more tech savvy. We as older people are going to have more of a history and, and things we can tap into that way. So we want to pay attention to each other and use the tools that we each bring to the table, which are different. Yeah, and learn. Yeah. Learn from each other. Because yep. we were just saying how much we've learned from our millennial children about technology and you know, I don't think I would have ever been able to do this podcast without having millennial children to help me get it going. So it's super important. You it know? is. And we can learn from each other. It is. Yeah. And you can have fun at the same time. Right. Exactly. So overall, we just don't want to make assumptions about generations. Right. That's for sure. Fair. Yeah. No assumptions. Every team member brings multiple skills and talents. Everyone's an individual after all. Absolutely. Gen- the generation is just part of the picture, right? Yeah, yeah. They yep. all have their unique personalities and their unique worldviews. Exactly. We have to remember that. That's important. Yep. And if you have a conflict, you need to focus on the issues underlying the conflict, not any personality or generational issues. And don't call them names. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't use their generation against them. No. Yeah. Don't, don't bash like older people do not like to be called old. No. I'm just gonna tell you right now, <laughs> for sure, because so, we're entering that part of our lives we don't want anyone telling us we're old so for sure don't don't label anyone with this yes just use it as an understanding tool right yes and know too that if you are younger uh, I was reading something the other day that said that people are happiest around the age of 50 or slightly higher really because that's interesting kind of, that's a study mm-hmm, hmm. they settled into their I life like that <laughs> they're not so worried about what everybody thinks anymore you know yeah. So if if you're 20, just remember that it'll get better. Yeah, it's (laughs) definitely going to get better. I really, I I do think that's true. I think when you're very, very young, there's just so much to figure out. And there's so much unknown. Yeah. You know, you don't know who you're going to marry and you don't know where you're going to live and you don't know what your job's going to be. And that's super stressful. It is. And just understanding that that's okay and that it it will be okay. Mm -hmm. It'll be what it'll be. I think that's super important. I do too. Yeah. I do too. I'm actually really grateful to these younger generations that are suddenly going, no, I'm going to set some boundaries in my life. I am not going to work 60 hours a week. Absolutely. I want to work 40 hours a week and I want to spend time with my family and I want to do fun things and I want to travel. You know, all of that is very good. It's it's hard sometimes in a veterinary practice when you don't know exactly what your hours it's will be. It's hard, but it's possible. So. I, I always tell people, you just have to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to say, I am I am not willing to work this much. Right. And if your practice can't help you accommodate and get some mental health, then you can change practices. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can change the people that run the practices to, so they understand right. that this is important. Because this is what it's all about. Exactly. It's trying to have a happy life. Yep. 
teach them they need a happy life too. Right. They're exactly. probably working too much. Yeah, for sure. So overall, um, older generations tend to bring the experience, which is very helpful. Very valuable. And at the same time, our younger generations bring new ways of doing things and new ideas. And the combination really leads to synergy and innovation. So to the extent that we can embrace all generations and learn from each other, that's where we really want to be. Right. And open-mindedness mm-hmm. to, to embrace all that. Because I see that at my practice, having multiple generations. And if you can be open to everyone's ideas, it, it runs so much better. Mm-hmm. And so many more things can get done. Right. So anything else that um, we need to know about this generation thing? I guess I love this. I'm so happy. <laughs> A few other little tips. Um, okay, good. Always have good follow through. You know, if you say you're going to do something, regardless of your generation, be sure you do that. Um, always say thank you and be genuinely grateful. And thank you can't be a blanket, hey, thanks for coming to work today. It has to be specific. Thank you so much for staying late to help with that one case. It, I really appreciated it. It makes a great difference in, um, yeah, in we, my time. Yeah, we tend overall. to forget that people need that. They do. I do. I forget that a lot. I have to remind myself to make sure I specifically praise people yes. that are working with me. Yeah. You know, it, it's important. And people do that in a lot of ways. You know, there might be like a kudos board or, you know, a gratitude jar or we actually have an, an app at work where I am where we can call each other out for positive oh, behaviors. Oh, nice. That's Give really each other nice. points yeah. and then that transfers to um, gift cards and things. Oh, beautiful. Another thing you can do is... Um, Use I statements rather than you, because we tend to, if we have a conflict with another person or someone of another generation, we'll say, well, you know, you're not working as hard as I am, or you didn't do this, or you did that wrong, as opposed to, I need to talk a little bit about what happened in this exam room, and I'd like to know what you were thinking with this particular procedure. So you're using I statements rather than you statements. Yeah, because you is more of an accusation. Yes. And it's more about... Your, your understanding. So if you say, I need to understand X, Y, and Z, exactly. then they're going to be less threatening exactly. to someone. Yeah, that makes sense. So putting yourself in the other person's shoes is always helpful, trying to see things through their eyes, um, and then just being overall supportive and respectful and using a kind tone and you know open gestures, kind of like we talked about with body like language. Like we talked about on the body, body language, yeah, on the last podcast. Yeah. yeah. So pay attention to your nonverbals. Be a good listener. Connect well because we, we all learn from each other. Yeah. And don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a big lesson with this generation thing. If somebody comes in with gray hair, they're not automatically old and dumb, you know. And, the, and vice versa. If they come in and they're super young, you know, don't hold that against them. Exactly. Don't prejudge. Yeah. You know, you use your knowledge of generations to understand other generations, but not necessarily prejudge them. Yeah. Still take them as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great lesson. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Of that course. was really fun. I like generations. <laughs> That's cool. I think it's it's super um, useful information for everybody to keep in mind. Yep. It's just another piece of the puzzle. It piece is. Piece of the personality puzzle and the piece of the relationships puzzle. I think Absolutely. it's so important. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. I really appreciate it. I hope we can do more. (laughs) 
Now, Carlene, tell them before we end what you do and where you're working, because I really want you to get that out there. Tell them okay. about your job a little bit before we close the podcast. Okay. So I work for Mission Veterinary Partners as their chief culture officer. And we have about 50 practices and close to a thousand employees. And it's my job to go into the hospital cultures and, and help them create a positive and joyous culture. Something where they're grateful, they're happy, they're enjoying their work and not having too much compassion fatigue or wellness struggles. And so that's kind of what I do. I go in, I'm trying to make people happy. What a fun job. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that job? <laughs> I know you work really, really hard and there's a lot to it, but that just sounds like a great, a great addition to the world is just making people happy. And I love veterinary teams. They're just incredibly wonderful people. Yeah. And they have to remember that. Yeah. Very special people. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you out there have enjoyed what we've talked about today. If you have any comments or you want to leave any feedback, you can go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review if you like this podcast. Um, If you have any questions or you want to make any comments for future podcasts, Uh, send me an email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a beautiful week. Thank you so much, Carlene, again. Of course. Have a great week. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.